You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know, there's a gift and a curse that comes along with your favorite team being good. Ticket prices go through the roof. Travel for away games seems impossible. And then where the heck are all the fans when you finally get to town? Well, Bills fans don't have to worry about that anymore. There's no better way to follow your Buffalo Bills on the road than with fans of Buffalo. Our packages make for hassle-free travel, all while getting access to exclusive events. From travel accommodations, Bills backers parties, catered tailgates, and game tickets, we take care of it all. Check us out at fansofbuffalo.com and book your next away game. It is another episode of Line to Gain here on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I am the big O, Jerry Ostrowski, live from Tulsa, Oklahoma. She is my sister from another mister, live from Miami, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, yes. where, where, wherever Fort Lauderdale. she is. Yeah, Fort, Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale. I like to say Miami, but Fort Lauderdale, Florida. She is Sarah Larson, and we make up your hosts here for Line to Gain every week, Wednesday. Well, it's Thursday this week. We like yes. to come on Wednesdays at 9 Eastern, 8 Central. I had to push it back. Uh, it's it's December, folks. And here's the deal. If you got kids, you understand the concept of schools packing <laughs> 10 pounds of you-know-what into a five-pound bag, right? So between um, choral concerts, band concerts, and everything else, um, we are on live tonight uh, right here for you, 9 Eastern, 8 Central. As always, hop in the comment section. If you're watching on X or you're watching on Facebook, head on over to YouTube, folks. You can join in live, get in the comments, and interact with us. Always, uh, Super Chats takes uh, precedent, and uh, Richard Rush is in with us, as uh, he always is. Uh, <laughs> Richard, a good friend of the show. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm really trying to bring the energy in the uh, upbeat nature to this show because <laughs> right now, it's a hard right year, now huh? in Bill's Mafia Nation, um, uh, times are a little bit gloomy. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into those topics as we head towards a uh, kind of a preview of the Bill's Chiefs this weekend in Arrowhead, a uh, 4.15 Eastern time start. It's supposed uh, to be a quiet bye week. Yeah, supposed to be quiet bye week. Obviously, it was not. But um, as you know, we'll talk about Bills Chiefs as the Bills head to Kansas City for the 32nd season in a row to take on uh, the Chiefs. So, pivotal game. As most feel, we have to win out to make the playoffs. Um, Tonight, we're cheering for – it's hard to say. We're cheering for the Patriots, right? (laughs) 
Oh, it's really <laughs> yeah, exactly. hard. Exactly. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why you're not feeling uh feeling quite well. Yeah, you know, right I had there. a I'm not feeling a hundred percent, but uh I think maybe it's because I had a choke out, you know, let's go Patriots earlier. Hey, so but as I that... always say, but as I always say, toughness wins, right? Yeah. Hashtag yeah. toughness wins, and that's why you're on tonight, Sarah, because you are tough. But um Hang uh, in there. We'll, yeah, we're we'll we'll talk about some things and um Sarah's got a kind of a lineup of what we're gonna go through tonight. Uh, again, Triggs44, thanks for joining us. Be no doubt. Appreciate you as well in the comment section. Uh, hit that like button, subscribe button, as we appreciate it um, uh, each week right here on the show. So, um, Sarah, obviously, we talked a little bit through text. Um, yes. You had kind of a lineup of some things we wanted to go through. And of well, course, yeah, I mean, just, you know, the drama, of course, that, drama. you know, what uh, what we've been hearing for most of, um, you know, most of the, the week off. Uh, obviously, uh, last Thursday, um, the day after we went live, um, came down the information of, uh, Von Miller. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people commenting, um, you know, and, and I don't think either of us need to instill our opinions really of, of what, um, he did or didn't do what the, you know, the punishment should or shouldn't be. Um, you know, if you want to share your opinions, more than welcome to. But um, I kind of wanted to, to just touch base on an NFL and a bill standpoint, because obviously we have everyone say release them now, you know, um, cut ties. Um, you know, he's no he should no longer ever wear the, you know, the, the uniform again. Um, and there's a few things that I just want to point out and this might make me the bad guy pointing it out but I am but I'm going to anyways the NFL number one needs to really figure out what their process is for these situations and outline it because um I posted yesterday on on Twitter or X um there there has been like eight or nine arrests um just this year alone in the NFL for domestic violence um and, you know, I'm going to I'll go quickly through it so I don't leave any anybody out. Um, but there are several people that have not been charged with um, with a crime or not co convicted. They've been arrested, but they've not been convicted of a crime um, or domestic violence that have already been put on the um, commissioner exemplar. Then you have. Um, people that have been put on the list and already removed. Um, and if you read what the police reports are for some of these, you would be shocked because some of them sound a lot worse than others. Um, but there was only one that happened all the way back in January or February that's resulted in an actual suspension um, already for this season. So it happened back in like January, February, they were suspended the first, um, I think six games this year. Um, so my thing is, is the NFL needs to figure this out because then it's, you're putting it on the, um, the organization themselves to make a decision. And this is a financial business. And the, the one thing I wanted to, to kind of talk about is are the bills doing the right thing? They are doing the right thing for the business um cutting Vaughn now with you know several games left of the season 
Kerr is at dead cap of the remaining games this year, plus $32 million next year. I need to look at this as a, you know, not just a fan, but just saying for a business, you can't incur that kind of, of, you know, hit. You're going to, you're basically saying that you're cutting ties with this team for the next couple of years of making them potentially, um, you know, not just profitable, but, and, you know, watchable, they, you know, like you're, you're taking away a huge majority of that cap. So I kind of just wanted, you know, your opinions and to kind of, you know, touch base a little bit more there. Um, as you talk about it, I'll pull up the, the other people, um, just this year that have been arrested. Um, and I will mention a couple of them that are still playing. And then I also want to not to, pull apart one person on the bills and you know and i know dotson has done his suspension um he ex- you know expressed his you know sincere apologies of what happened last year etc cetera, etc cetera. but we tend to forget that you know we're, we're cheering him on every week um and he had a domestic violence um charge a couple of years ago so you know I just don't want it to just be let's attack Vaughn because he's the clearest one on, in our in our brains and not give that same treatment to, to anyone else um, that's in the NFL or on our team or another team. Um, it should be all around. So uh, do I think the Bills themselves, I'm going on a rant here, do I think the Bills themselves are doing the right thing? Yes, I do. Monetarily, there is just no way this can recoup the loss. Now, do I think that they should be putting him on game day inactive while this all plays out? I think it would have probably been less noisy for them to do that and just have him not suit up. I know it's Von Miller, but he's actually not having that kind of a season to justify the the backlash. Um, and, you know, Joe Miller mentioned it last night. I had um, been texting with Spence about it. I do 100% believe if this game was in Buffalo – that they would have considered putting him game day inactive because I know our fans and they're going to, they're like, they're going to boo him and everything else. It's going to make it for a little bit of a toxic playing environment for him, not only for him, but just, you know, for the team, it's going to, you know, it's going to be bad. So um, if this game was in Buffalo, I 100% believe uh, it, he probably wouldn't have played. Um, it's a tough situation all around because as a man who not only is married, has a daughter, I would never, ever even contemplate going down that path as far as putting my hands on a, a woman. Okay. So that is the part that's hard for me is thinking about if someone did that to my daughter or my wife. But the problem is that the NFL has a set of rules and the set of rules they follow, as Sarah said earlier, seem to be different for every circumstance. Um, I also believe what's with what Sarah had to say in if the NFL wants to make a stance in this, they can't allow teams to be able to make these decisions on these players they need to be able to make the decisions themselves. What I will say 
from experience and knowing how the NFL operates from playing in it for 10 years, the extensive amount of investigation resources and the extensive amounts of money that they put towards these investigations, it, it's, it's big, it's immense. So I am sure they have done their end of due diligence as far as investigations and things like that. So if I believe if the league felt that it was something they needed to act upon immediately, and I'm not saying that it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just telling you from a business standpoint, like Sarah talked about earlier, there are, there are protections. There are things out there that are put in place that do protect workers in situations like this. And I, and I know that's a lot of this is what's happening. Now, when you go back to like the Ray Rice situation, there was there was no need for an investigation. It was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. The world saw what happened. Right. You know, right now you're in a situation of a he said, she, she said, also in the fact of now the person that put the complaint forward has okay. withdrawn everything yep. and is not speaking to authorities. Right. So it's not as cut and dry. It is morally for people like myself or Sarah or others. And if Sarah, I say something wrong, please correct me. But our morals and ethics don't necessarily mean that immediately something's going to happen. I think if it comes down the road and the, the facts are there and, it, and they have proof it happened and everything's there, and granted, I'm not telling you that there hasn't been, you know, evidence right. already as far as bruising and all those things. But these are situations that have to play out legally in this court system as well as throughout the league. Right. So it's not just that cut and dry. Now, understand, remember, this is a league that allowed somebody like Leonard Little, who killed somebody in his car, to come back and play in the NFL. Um, there are instances where guys got second chances. Um, right. Hunt, the, Hunt, the running back also had a situation. So I'm not saying those are right. right. What I'm and saying. Lot, yeah. I was going to say a lot of people have um, brought up, you know, people were, have been getting suspended for a whole year for performance enhancing drugs or marijuana and stuff. We have to look at the fact that, three years ago or four years ago when those were happening, especially, I, I mean, obviously performance enhan enhancing drugs, those right. still, um, you know, that takes away from the, the game itself. So they look at that differently. So those are still getting suspended, but marijuana is at the point now where it's um, not even tested the same way um, as it was a couple years ago. Was it a banned substance a couple years ago? Yes, but it was written into the new, um, you know, uh, the new agreement that they have that, you know, it would be tested less and, you know, less severe punishments, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, back then it was a severe punishment and it, you know, you, you got a couple of games for your first offense, a couple more for your second, and then you got, I think it was the entire year for your third. Um, so little things like that, people are bringing up and I don't even care to sit there and respond back to every single person that's saying it that like well, it's different and then a lot of people brought up gambling i do 100 believe that if um the the league wants 
to have any semblance of any type of, um, you know, non-bias play, then we, we can't allow any gambling across football. So even if you're on, you know, the um, Carolina Panthers, you should not be betting on the Detroit Lions. Um, there's too many. And that is, that is, yeah, that is dumb. Yeah. I mean, they're not. Yeah. Well, no, I know. But people are saying that it's, it's crazy that you get more of a penalty for that than it would be for domestic violence and stuff. The, the other part that I'm, I mean, this is me as a woman that's going to get um, probably a little bit of, of hate um, as I say it. Um, the definition of domestic violence is very different per state. Um, it, it can be something as little as withholding money from somebody. It can be um, verbal. It can be physical. It, there is sexual. There are so many different variations of domestic violence. Um, what got me upset is before anything even came out, people were saying that he punched her and beat her before nothing like that was before like any of the police report came out or anything like that just because they were attributing domestic violence to physical violence and it was like we don't even know that yet we do know more people based on the police report what was stated that has now been rescinded um the other thing to this that i i do want to say is um whether or not von did what he did um you know the one, the fact is, is we don't have hardcore, hardcore, you know, cord, sorry, hardcore video proof, um, which makes it difficult for anyone to cast blame right away without doing additional due diligence. Now, as I was saying earlier, Justin Ross, um, he was accused of, accused of uh, domestic battery and property damage. Um, from the report, it said he threw his girlfriend's phone after finding out that um she you know was cheating on him so he's the one person that i actually feel a little bad about because the police report does not seem bad enough he snatched the phone out of her hands and threw it um he is on the the commissioner exemplus uh zay jones um misdemeanor domestic battery charge was not added to the commissioner exemplus and is still playing he was cheered on monday night chandler jones uh, he was accused of violating a domestic violence protective order. Um, he was released by the Raiders, but he was added to the non-football injury list prior to um, to all you know the craziness that was happening. So a lot of people don't you know believe that was the last uh, the last straw. Um, he had been going through some some crazy stuff that week. Uh, Hassan Hask- uh, Haskins was charged with aggravated assault by strangu- by strangulation on girlfriend. Um, he's on IR. That's why he's not playing right now, but he's been removed from the commissioner's exemplus. Um, and that is assault with strangulation. Chris Claybooks, um, was accused of grabbing phone from X, damaging it and injuring, injuring her, um, in the process. He is, um, now been added to the commissioner's exemplus. Um, uh, Winfrey was accused of grabbing, pulling and injuring a woman who he was in a relationship. He was waived by the Browns over the summer and added to the Jets practice squad. Um, he is not on the exemplus. Um, and then D. Eskridge was accused, accused of misdemeanor assault involving his child's mother. He That was the one that happened in January. They had enough to go on this July. He was suspended six games at the beginning of the season. And now he is back with the Seahawks. So all of this stuff um, that I just want to you know show, most of these players that 
have an opportunity to play are still playing. Whether or not that's right or wrong um, for Vaughn, I'm just saying that we all need to let this stuff play out. Now, the business side of this, as I was saying to begin with, if the league does not put him on the exempt list or suspend him, the Bills have nothing to go on when it comes to letting him go and recouping any of that money. So do I think we should have put him on, you know, the inactive list between, you know, now and, you know, for a few weeks? I do um, to let some of it blow over a little bit. And I know that sounds terrible as a woman, me saying having to blow over. Um, but I'm just saying that, you know, f- strictly business, um, what, you know, I think should have happened. Uh, but in the meantime, all these other players that have the opportunity to play are still playing, except with the exception of two. So um, Vaughn's not singled out there. So other people are playing. I just, I don't know what it's going to be like for him to step foot two weeks from now or 10 days from now in Buffalo um, on that field when you have so many people already, you know, accusing him of being, you know, guilty until, you know, he's guilty until proven innocent, not the well, other the, way around. The, the thing, the point that I wanted to make, and we can move on then to today's uh, festivities and we'll get into that in yeah. a second. Um, my deal is this, until the NFL decides to do something, until the NFL decides to, put rules into place that that take this out of the hands of ownership and teams will continue to have discrepancies in how situations are handled. Um, I honestly believe that the NFL needs to take a stand and they need to do a better job as far as um, holding people accountable for things that happen off the field. Um, yeah. Cause as you, as you made a mention earlier, you can say what you will. I mean, and, and granted, he's not even playing well this year. He's been a non-factor, but still, it comes down to teams having to do what's best for them business-wise. Right. And, you know, there needs to be some things put into place where the league can take that pressure off of them with their own set of rules. Now, granted, when the collective bargaining agreements are negotiated, a lot of this stuff is in there. And a lot of these players are protected by some of the things put into right. place by the CBA. But still, there has to come a point in time where the league decides, you know what, we our, our league is growing, and this is the thing about the NFL, our league is growing right now because of the immense amounts of, of women that are becoming fans year after year. Right. Guys, women, the, the influx of, of women fans in the NFL is not because, it, it's not because Travis Kelsey's dating Taylor Swift. Okay. Yes. That might have something to do with it in a, in a small aspect, but the deal is the fact that, you know, women fans are growing year after year. This is becoming a huge fan base amongst the NFL and they're going to have to do something that sends a message to them that says, you know what, your beliefs, your morals, your ethics are important as well. Right. There's and, a couple. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know, and and again, I I go back to the same thing. It's it's the league has to make a stand. They have to take it out of the ownership's hands. Yeah. So I wanted to go over a couple of these comments that I'm I've been reading through. So Trigg says the thing with Von Miller's situation is that it's the third time it's happened with the same woman. Um, it it is. And again, I um I am a survivor of domestic violence. Um, so I have 
my own opinions on this. Um, some people um, would consider this relationship probably pretty toxic. And, you know, why did he keep on taking her back? And why did she keep on going back? Um, a lot more stuff right. has happened. She tried suing him for, you know, revenge porn after supposedly she cheated on him or she left him for another man or whatever that situation was. They keep on going back to each other. And this was also, this is also her third going on her third child with him. Um, so obviously a toxic relationship. I'm not saying that any of it's justified, whether he did or didn't do anything. I'm just saying that there comes a point in time where um, just taking, you know, some of it um, for a grain of salt. Before you get to that one, um, I just wanted to, to go down the list before I lose it. Um, this one was, uh, regarding Matt Ariza, which we kind of touched upon a little bit before, uh, you know, we went live. Um, to me, there is a very different business aspect between what Matt Ariza was accused of, what he had already admitted to, to me, his admittable offense was, was not worth the PR crisis. Um, the fact that he stated that yes, he knowingly had sex with her, whether or not she was underage or not, she could have lied about it. But some of the things that he also said, he told her, oh, you should go and get a, um, you know, a, a test done because uh, I have an STD. Like the some of the things that he said in that process, I, I do believe the fact that he had sex with an underage, whether she lied or not, I think it was the right call by the bills for a player that had no guarantees in that moment of, um, of whether or not, you know, or no guarantees of, of money con contractually, it was too much of a PR nightmare because guys, whether you guys want to believe it or not, he was accused of gang rape, which is crazy. So, um, and there was already evidence coming out that, you know, he, admitted to some of it. So they had already known it for a little over a month. They had done their due diligence and their, you know, their process of investigating and everything else. I do not judge the bills for, uh, for having Matt Ariza um, released. Now it's up to the NFL to get this kid back into the NFL. Um, if they believe that he is completely void of any other wrongdoings it's up to the nfl to to really get him into you know to start playing now we can go on to john Fina's because i liked this one too that was the third one i wanted to pull up and um former buffalo bill former teammate of mine john Fina, and also co-host of um uh on uh off tackle with john Fina and joe miller and by the way i will be the fill-in co-host with john uh this coming week is uh joe cannot be in but john says maybe the nfl can adopt a policy that doesn't punish an organization for releasing someone when a judiciary process is involved this way the teams don't have to thread the needle i i agree with a lot of that i mean i, oh, think I have it's, two opinions on this one you Go know ahead. i think that i think that this is is something it's like what i was talking about earlier the league has to take a stand in this. It's it's their shield, okay? I know that the owners are own teams that are in this league, but when it comes down to it, in D.C., Roger Goodell, this is their league, and they have to decide what they want and what they don't want to have. 
And if you can go ahead and, you know, do well, something in this nature, and this is part of the CBA too. Yeah. The CBA is going to have to uh, adopt a, a clause in every contract that a player signs that gives a team an out for something like this in a judiciary but, process. But then again, then we're, we're saying number one, everyone is guilty until proven innocent. It's not the other way around because if you have a $120, $120 million player that gets accused of something that is completely falsified, say, then we just released somebody and um, took well, all that, their money that back. Also, but that also, Sarah, I believe, has to do with the the investigations, those types of things. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. Well, that... Right, but so we would still be in this process of what happens from the time that they are arrested to the time that they are charged of something and to the time that the legal process plays out, which could be a year down the road. Um, the, the same thing happened with Elvin Kamara, um, Kamara. He went, he was arrested in February of 2022. He was finally suspended for the games, the first games of 2020, uh, um, of 2023, a year and a half later. So what happens in that time period in between that and, and say Von Miller's case, or um, I want to say it's one of the other players. I, I don't want to say it off the top of my head um, because I'm not positive that I'm right when I say Hassan. Um, what if the, the victim withdraws their complaint? Um, there is, you know, his, his comment was, um, you know, right here, it was, uh, releasing someone when a judiciary process is involved. What happens when the, the complaint is, is gone? There's no judiciary process right now. So that's, I guess, why I still feel like, yeah, we should be able to, you know, Every standard contract should say something about, you know, if but you just um, answered your own question, there's no judiciary process, but I keep going back this to is what I'm saying. So there, so like Vaughn still wouldn't have been right. He wouldn't have been, um, you know, he wouldn't have had any fact, rep, uh, repercussions. But the fact right of the now. matter is there's a lot of businesses out there in the world that have, have code of conduct clauses in, in employee contracts where they can let go of employees for doing things that are not against the law. I mean, for instance, um, there are a lot of companies out there that people in, uh, in, in places of power cannot have relationships. And if they do, they can be released. And it's, it's happened recently in some things. And it's like there are, you know, tons and tons. And John clarified once a, once a verdict has been reached. So, but the thing is, the thing is this, is that you don't have to have a set of rules that are based upon the the legal system. You can have a set of conduct rules that if you do this, we have the right to let you go. Um, you know, it's 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 that's all the I'm thing saying is the gray area. It's the gray area between being accused of something and then right. Well, what I'm saying is if it. there's if they're yeah, if they prove it or there's things they should be, but it's like you know, my deal is is that you know they're going to bust my ass for having too much white on my socks, but yet we're sitting here having a a thirty minute conversation and and discussion about domestic violence. I mean, come on now. I mean, seriously, this is the most powerful sports organization in the world, and you you can't come to to an agreement on how your employees are supposed to act and behave. 
it's it's asinine to me it doesn't make any damn sense right but then we still go back to he said she said and how do you prove something like this right from the the get-go to punish somebody for doing something that she now says he didn't so right. again i'm not trying to say whether he did didn't how bad of what he did was or anything like that i'm just saying that there needs to be a process that hey if you were arrested maybe and maybe this goes back to john if you were arrested that time between you know your arrest and xyz you have to at least be um put on the uh commissioner exemplus um for you know two weeks while you know or something there has to be some type of minimum standard because here's the crazy ass thing about it and then after this we're going to get to our our fine sponsors from uh buffalo's pizza picasso's and we're going to get into today's festivities we forgot don't forget we got to talk about ficta as well but when you (sighs) the fact of the matter is if they did not have the ray rice incident on film it, I am I am 100% sure that he would still he would have had a career and finished in the league. If they did not have there was they were in a corner and they could not get out of it because of the disgusting video that was taking place in the, in the elevator. And I swear to goodness if they did not have that he still would have had a career. That's what's it's it's crazy to me. Crazy to me. Because it's indisputable evidence. You can't deny what everybody saw. Right. You can explain away some of it like it's sad, but you can explain away some of these domestic violence charges that don't have that video. So, you know, it's it's the sad reality we're in. But um, and again, all you have to go by is some of these charts. Like like I said, Justin Ross is suspended right now, not suspended. He's on the commissioner exemplist right now. And the the article that I read was that. He found out his girlfriend was cheating. He snatched the phone out of her hand and he threw it and stomped on it. So you're going to tell me that that is, that is, you know, commissional, you know, exempt list acceptable, but what supposedly Vaughn did is not. That's where I don't like that. There is so much, you know, confusion, unless the reason why they're saying Vaughn is not is because she retracted her statement and she's no longer pressing charges now that doesn't mean that the state of texas can't um they they still can if they want to but sometimes they most of the time they don't if the victim um is non-cooperative so you know it goes back and forth let's get into uh let's go do our ficta all right i got this sarah i got this i'm gonna i'm gonna show you i got this but uh before we get into our friend tyler dune's great uh 92 piece article today about sean mcdermott (laughs) Let's hear from our fine sponsors, not only our show, but many other shows here on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. And also, Sarah was a client, Ficta Endel and Elmer Eye Care. Picture this, crystal clear vision without the hassle of glasses or contacts. Imagine watching Josh Allen's game-changing touchdowns with absolute clarity. At Ficta Endel and Elmer Eye Care, we can make that a reality. Now, in a matter of seconds, with Zeiss Smile technology, you can see clearly and get back to doing the things you love as soon as the next day. Visit us online at Ficta.com and take our free self-test to see if you're eligible and schedule an evaluation. At Ficta, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care, we are focused on you. Go Bills. So today, if... 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. We didn't have enough going on in uh, the Bills Mafia world. We uh, had an article, a three-section article released by Tyler Dune, and uh, basically it was an absolute annihilation of Sean McDermott as the head football coach of the Buffalo Bills. And as we all know, after the uh, Eagles debacle um, going into the bye week, um, there has been a strong presence of, of Bills Mafia that want to see McDermott fired. They want to see McDermott replaced. Tyler Dune jumped right on that, uh, right on that opportunity. And um, I saw pieces of it. I did not read all of it. Sarah, I know probably read more than I did. I will not spend the money to subscribe to read that um, article. Yeah. So, so and I'm, I know you I'm did, I know you didn't less- either. I know that you kind of got it from here no, and there. I- but- yeah. So I um yeah, I was I was blessed enough to to be, be able to read it. Um it is a lot longer than people realize. So if anyone is only reading um the parts that are not paid, um there is a lot more to read after it. So I don't suggest just forming p- opinion based on the part that is the clickbait part that they're ma- you know that um that makes you want to read more. Um, because there is a lot more, there are actually a couple of good, good quotes in there about, you know, McDermott that a couple of people, um, you know, wrote, um, or, you know, stated, but that doesn't mean that Tyler didn't two seconds later, go back and, and say something on that. Um, so before we get too, too deep in this, um, I do want to say two things. So, um, there is supposed animosity between Tyler and, and and the organization a little bit, but mostly McDermott. Um, rumors, rumors, and I'm going to say the rumors, uh, were that, you know, he wrote this article last year um, about, you know, 13 seconds, and that started the last, you know, two years of this, this animosity between them all. Um, with all that being said as well, the... At 8.30, Tyler did do a um, a Zoom call. I listened to a few minutes of it. What kind of gets me is he, he actually stated out loud, and I don't know if he realized how it sounded, well, after the Bills lost to the, the Eagles in such epic fashion yet again, and you heard people talking about, you know, uh, you know <clears throat> McDermott and how he collapsed under, you know, pressure and this and that and the, the defense. And he felt this was the perfect time um, to, to get this out there. So it kind of felt like he's had this written for a while and he was just waiting for the, the final shoe to drop to put it out there. Now I know him a little bit. Um, you know, I've conversed with him a couple of times. I know people that love him and that are friends with him. I don't say that this that he's 
doing this um, out of spite, but he might be. I don't know. I don't know him well enough to know, you know, this stuff. What I can say is, and, you know, ironically, I just looked over and Daryl had just put it up there. Um, he used the word fraud to talk about McDermott so much that it sounded personal. He sounded like the star of the article in my eyes, and it made it sound salty. It made it sound like a hit piece. Whether or not she, um, whether or not the information in you know the twenty five interviews that he you know he's conducted over the you know past year and a half or two years, however long it was, um, whatever was factual or not is kind of overshadowed by the tone and the way he that it's it's written in my eyes in my opinion um mcdermott came out and and basically said some of it you know is true um the parts that were left out though is you know yes he made a a stupid comparison about communication during the the um the 9-11 um the hijacking of the planes but he so he made this crazy you know asinine comment but then supposedly apologized the same day immediately and from people that i've spoken to that have very close encounters with the situation said yes that that part is true he did say it but then he did apologize well where was the apology in the in the article um you know why wasn't all that stuff discussed and if he apologized and everybody accepted it. Why is it being brought up four years later instead of back then when everyone had a supposed problem with it? Um, so, again, um, I feel like there's a lot of people that want Sean McDermott gone from One Bill's Drive. And this just a week ago, we kind of heard a lot of beat reporters saying it's absolutely not going to happen. He's not going to get fired. He's not going to get terminated. And now it's like, okay, well, now we have, uh, you know, this piece and and people aren't reading the whole thing. They're only reading the parts that they have access to, um, which is what I guess bothers me a little bit. And I'm not defending McDermott in this. Um, I think that saying some of the things he said is, is terrible. Um, I actually wrote on Twitter, um, I guess probably about the same time the article was dropped. That I was literally sitting around thinking about, you know, McDermott and some of my disappointments of the season and over the last two years, some of the things that I've been feeling. And I guess I put it out there probably the same exact time um, the the tweet was put out by Tyler because two people sent me a, a DM and they were like, what do you feel about the article? And I'm like, what article are you talking about? So um it was ironic that it happened kind of at the, the, the same time. But um, so I have my issues with McDermott as well and his play calling and it's in certain situations. And I kind of wrote that I feel like he's a little under PTSD from, you know, 13 seconds. And now he's not willing to take chances. He's not willing to trust in his, his quarterback. He's not willing to trust in this defense. And we keep on playing this, you know, prevent bend but don't break defense when we we shouldn't be we should be you know um you know hungering down and making sure they don't they don't score again so um whatever it is uh you know i just want people to you know read it as as for what it is um and you know i am very thankful for some of the relationships with people that i have around the league 
um, around the bills um, between, you know, beat reporters, players, whatever, that I have been able to formulate my own, you know, decision on this without it just being everyone going crazy left and right on, uh, on Twitter. First of all, I don't know Dunn or Dune. I, I, and honestly, before today, I had no idea what, who he was. I've never heard of him before. So whether that's a problem or not, or that's just me being naive and he's been this huge integral piece of Buffalo media for a long time. No, he's actually not part of Buffalo media. He was, okay. he was Buffalo media, um, a few, quite a few years back. Um, right. I guess went over to green Bay, um, for a little bit. And then, um, came, you know, came back and he started working with his, his own endeavor. And my understanding is under his own endeavor, the bills will not, would not credential him. Um, that is not something that is unique. Um, that is something that happens not only in professional sports, but also in college athletics and across the board. A lot of guys that have their own thing, a lot of guys that are doing stuff on social media and, their own websites and things like that, kind of rogue rogue journalists. Not ha- being credentialed is not something that is unique. So no, I mean, you know, SB Nation, we like Buffalo Rumblings. We're not credentialed for um, built events. We can get credentialed for other events, but built right. events themselves. So I completely, you know, I'm not saying that that discredits him not being credentialed. People are saying that him not being credentialed um, is is part of the reason why he's a little um i know and that's what i was getting to i was trying i was getting to that as far as him being salty or having his feelings hurt because he's not credentialed well he's he i guarantee you when he was working for the news he would be pissed at some of the guys that came in that weren't doing the beat reporting or weren't working the number of hours on the bills that he was Again, I, I've got friends that are that are newspaper reporters, and that is the first thing they talk about is how these guys that are part timers can act like they're full timers. So, whether he's you know working this thing full time, whatever, I get all that. Second is is when you come out and you say over and over again the fraud term that throws up a red flag. The fact that you have to say over and over again, I interviewed twenty five different former employees trying to validate your message through that. To me, the whole article or piece has a very SI sports illustrated uh, feel to it. Like it was, you know, one of those front pages that they advertised for a while. Hey, come read this, you know, this expose about the behind the scenes of the bills and what's going on. Um, a big thing that I think's amiss uh, is a couple things. One is, what would you expect former employees to say about a place that did not want them anymore and they moved on? Okay. Do you think they're all going to be, I'm sure there's a couple that maybe move on on their own accord or whatever, but what would you expect a former employee to say that was asked to leave an organization? Right. So that's the first point. Second point is this with the, sh- the strong personalities that we have right now in that locker room, Okay, we have some very, very strong personalities. We talked about Vaughn earlier. He's been around forever. You got Deion Dawkins, who's not afraid to talk. You've got Stefan Diggs, who damn sure is not afraid to talk. If those guys were seeing things in the day and age of athletics and with 
million forms of social media out there and a million modalities that athletes can put their message out on. Okay. You know, would you not think that you would hear something out of that locker room? You would. I mean, you hear it all the time. I mean, you hear it across the board every week. There's multiple players voicing their displeasure with what's going on. So that's the other thing that I'm like, okay, well, is, is, and I don't want to say brazen, but is, is open as Stefan Diggs is. And I know he has pulled it back a little bit because of the, all the just overabundance of attention he got this summer over the end of the season last year and some of the stuff this summer. You don't think somebody would say something. I mean, right. seriously, and they would. So I go back and personally me this season. And I said this with when I when we did the special with with Spence and was with John and Eric Wood. Our issues to me this year, and again, this will not be popular because everybody is it, it's entrenched. They, they they've got it in their brain now. They are they are stamped. It's McDermott's fault. McDermott's got to go. We've got a personnel problem more than we have a coaching problem. We are we are decimated injury wise on defense, and we have some positions that are lacking talent, lacking players. And you can say what you will about McDermott holding Josh back and this back. I I don't believe that Sean McDermott is holding Josh Allen back. I really don't. If he didn't mesh with Dorsey and his message and the things he was wanting to do. Okay, Dorsey's moved on. With Brady, he seems to be getting some of that back. But it's like, I just, I don't, nobody has ever admitted that our our roster right now is not good enough. And the main reason, to me anyway, is injury. Offensively, we have a drastic need for more receivers. We've talked about it at length. I think the offensive line has played better than anybody thought they would. The quarterback has had lapses in judgment, but for every one bonehead play he makes, nobody wants to talk about the 60 he does make, right? Because he does. He makes amazing plays. We just – our roster is – right now is just not as good. Look at Kansas City. We're going to talk about them in a few minutes. And, you know, we don't have a ton of time because, you know, we'll get to that in a second. But it's like, look at Kansas City. They're having issues. Is anybody saying Andy Reid can't coach? No, they're not. But they they haven't scored a damn second half touchdown, and maybe they finally had one last week. But it had been like five games, and they had a second half touchdown. They don't have the receivers they've had. They've had issues up front with their line, yeah. and they have deficiencies in their roster. So I just wish that people would understand that this this thing goes hand in hand. Coaching is as good. There's only a few instances in football where a coach just absolutely cannot coach and you've got a roster that can win and they just blow it up. One of them is in the, in the nineties, John Blake was a head coach at OU. They had an amazing roster. They fired John Blake and within two years, Bob Stoops wins a national championship. By the way, his only national championship. So there are instances where that happens, but right now these, these great coaches are great because they got great players. We're the same people that come on here every week and go on Twitter every, every week and blow Bill Belichick up and call him, a, call him he, he's washed, he's a bum. The only reason he was any good is because of Tom Brady. 
So you're saying it yourself. The only reason Bill Belichick was great was because he had a great player. I don't believe that. I think Brady helped immensely, but I think he's also a good coach. Well, I will say, you know, the fact being they've got the, they've got some roster issues right now. Yeah. And then some, uh, Matt Byam put, um, right now, you know, we're down across the, the NFL. I think that it's probably the first time that the, um, the NFL has kind of really showed that they're starting to even out a little bit. Um, in the AFC, I think that there's so many extraordinary quarterbacks that the AFC is kind of, you know, all floundering against each other. Um, you know, it's, it's those matchup issues. And then in the NFC, yeah, you, you kind of have, um, you know, three or four good, you know, really good teams. And then you have the the bottom of the the barrel. But now it's starting to even out again, you know, a little bit. You have, you know, the Rams who are, I think, six and six all of a sudden. Green Bay, six and six. Like, it's, um, you're starting to get a little bit middle of the pack is starting to, to even out a little bit. I think it's because you're, it's getting harder and harder to predict these, these matchups week in and week out. And I think it's because most most of these teams are going in, whether it's injuries or or what, but they're going in more um, on an equal footing. Uh, and and these mat in matchups are playing a big role in it. So you know, you mentioned Andy Reid and and the the Chiefs and stuff. So you know, let's listen to to Picasso, and then we'll get into our our weekend game. Uh, I'm gonna miss my bye week, to be honest with you. I'm I'm a little un a little bit at you know uneasy about traveling again because I was really enjoying being lazy this past week. So here we go, Picasso's. Hey, football fans! The season is here, so you know that means family, football, and food. But for the NFL's best fan base, it can't be just any food. Bills Mafia only eats the best during the season, and the best is Picasso's Pizza. With four great locations in Western New York, it's so easy to treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's. We are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping local and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So the Bills travel to Kansas City as they have an afternoon game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And unlike last year where both teams were rolling coming into this game, the Bills won last year in Kansas City. Um, Different story. Both teams struggling a bit, especially... um, I believe both teams are two and three over the last three or no uh, right. one and um, one and one and two over the last three games. So um, we both only lost or won one game and lost two games over the last three. So right. it's a it's a must win, in my opinion, for us. Um, it's not necessarily a must win for them, but I think for morale, um, it might be they're going to probably come in just as as angry and um, and frustrated as ever. Uh, so I think we need to, the bills need to capitalize on that, um, and, and be as angry and frustrated as well. Here's something else that is funny when you look at these two teams and and how the national narrative is amongst media members. And if you listen to the national media, talk about the Buffalo bills, obviously 
the demise of the Bills, everything else. You look at the Chiefs, they're usually held in a different light. Statistically, okay, this is statistically speaking, Josh Allen, 20, 295 for 433, 300 or 3,214 yards, 24 touchdowns. He has 13 interceptions, 95.8 rating. Patrick Mahomes, he is 301 for 444 for 3,127 yards, 22 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 95.1 rating. Basically, damn near a dead heat, the exact same. You look at the rushing, you got James Cook, who is at 153 carries for 731 yards, 4.78 yards uh, average, one touchdown, one fumble. Isaiah Pacheco, who, who I really like, 176 carries, so a bunch more, uh, 779 yards, 4.43 in average, six touchdowns, almost a dead heat. Leading receivers, Stephon Diggs by quite a bit, or I should say quite a bit, not really that much. He has 969 yards. Travis Kelsey, their leading receiver, 813. So you look at the national attention these two teams get and the way they're talked about, you would think the Chiefs were blowing this thing up out of the water, Offensively, these two teams almost a dead heat, but the one area that the Chiefs have increased this year is defensively, and mm-hmm. their defense is playing really, really well. Yeah, I agree. I think their defense is uh, pretty much what's kept them in, in games as of late. So, oh, no, um, doubt. no doubt. Yeah. So I think that they would have um, actually dropped a couple more if it wasn't for, for their defense. Uh, I think that this week for the Bills, and I am actually very confident. Um, for some reason in the bills being able to go into Kansas city and win this weekend. Um, I, I look at the way we played the last two weeks um, and I'm encouraged by it a little bit. I hope this negativity that's happened and all this crap that's happened, the noise um, the last week and a half during the bye week is, is not going to um, affect them, but I'm hoping they're professionals that it, it won't. Um, but you know, I think that when I look at Kansas City, I don't think they look any bit the the part of what what they've had the last couple of years. No, and they haven't, and and, and it's it's obvious. It's obviously it's easy to see. They have the same issues as we do. They don't have anybody who can catch the ball on a regular basis, and they also where we have actually I think played above and beyond expectations offensive line wise. I believe they struggled a little bit offensive line wise, but Chiefs coming in as a uh, one and a half point favorite. This is what's crazy, Sarah. The over under is only forty eight point five points. Who'd have thought that? Because yeah, with those, because I think it's yeah, I think it's going to be more of a defensive game, um, right. it, which is you know crazy for you know for us to say, but I think it's going to be like twenty four twenty one. You know, I I think the other day I actually said twenty three twenty. Uh, same, you know, same scenario there, but um, I do think it's going to be a more low scoring game. Um, but I think that when it comes to, I, I maybe are saving grace a little bit and I never wish for injuries, but they are very injured as well. Um, and there might be a couple of people that popped up on their injury list. Pachenko, I believe was out to um, today or yesterday. Um, he didn't practice. I still think he'll, he'll play. Um, but their defense um, has two or three key, um, you know, key players that probably won't su- suit up on Sunday. So yeah, you got you got um, tranquil. You got tranquil. If you remember last week, he had the concussion. Um, Donovan Smith is uh, has has a neck injury. Um, safety uh, Brian Cook has an ankle. 
And as you talked about, a Pacheco's nurse in that bruised shoulder. So um, they're hopeful to get Nick Bolton back this week from the uh, from the injury reserve or get him back soon. Uh, he's on there with a with a wrist injury. So, but yeah, they do have some uh, some uh, injuries on defense. And the biggest one being starter Drew Tran- Drew Tran- Tranquil with the concussion. Right, and just uh, to let you know, Steelers are um, losing to New England twenty one to ten and a half. Um, they just kicked off the the second half, which is very good news for for the Bills. The the Steelers are seven and five, so we definitely need them to drop a game. Um, them dropping a game, you know, with it being to the Patriots is actually really big. Um, so it'll be a, a, a very um positive um thing for our playoff hopes. There are still playoff hopes before we get out of here. I do want to you know reiterate that. Um do I think we need to win out? I think that's the easiest path of least resistance um, is to win out. Um, if we win out and some other things happen, there's still a chance that we don't make it. So um, I just want to, you know, kind of quell everybody's expectations, but we still have a opportunity, even at nine and eight, it is a very small, uh, some people were acting very confident on Twitter um, stating this the other day. Um, so many things would happen for a nine and eight bills team to make it into the playoffs between other AFC teams losing specifically to other, you know, specific AFC teams. I have done every which way of, you know, computations and, and, um, trust me, I've experienced it all. I've done all the math and everything. Um, obviously 11 and six is their easiest path. Um, and 10 and seven still puts them in a terrible situation because of a couple of head to heads. And then the AFC, um, we've, we've lost our games to the AFC. Most of our games that we've lost have been, um, to the AFC. So all the games we've lost have been to the AFC. So, um, except for the, the, the Eagles, but so with all that being said, like we need to win out if we want to control our own destiny. But there is, you know, there are different patterns um, of ways to still make it into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, this is pretty much do or die time for the Bills. And, you know, unfortunately, you would like to go into situations like this without a bunch of, of uh, noise uh, on the outside. And obviously you have the Von Miller noise. Then you add the uh, Tyler Dune noise from today. Um, it's going to be it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough road for the bills. I mean, do I think they can do it for sure? I think they can do it. You know, the issue with them this year is they got six losses that are by six points or less. I mean, they're only two and six in, um, in uh, single digit games this year. Um, probably a really, really good week to go on the road. It really is. You had the bye yeah. week to rest up. You got the noise and you talked about it earlier, Sarah, just getting away from Orchard park, not having any of that, um, negative fan interaction with your team um, because of the Von Miller situation. So um, I don't want to say it, but I will. If the bills went into Kansas city and blew them out, do you know how much of this people would no longer be talking about? So I think that that's, you know, something that's going to be weighing on their mind as well is, um, you know, when we're winning, uh, when the team is winning the negative stuff, is definitely not focused on as much um, because we're winning and Buffalo football. We want to win. We, you know, we're hungry for it. So 
No, I think the I think the key of the game it comes down to, especially if Pacheco, if if he is healthy enough to play and play at the level that he's used to, um, the the Chiefs have kind of turned into a Pacheco setting up the pass type team. I mean, they're not just that deadly downfield passing attack that they've been. Um, you know, Pacheco runs the ball well. Bills are twentieth in the league right now in rushing defense. So, are the Bills going to be able to control the line of scrimmage, stop the run to where they can get Kansas City? And, Our you know, thing you is, about- yeah, when, when it comes to the to defense and stopping the run, I feel like we can consistently stop the run. It's the one or two plays a game that they, you know, that you know they break out on us, um, and it consistently happens. Every week we have one or two busted coverage, you know, um, runs. So I feel like we need to control that, um, you know, so he doesn't have any huge, um, you know, huge runs down the, um, especially down the middle. Um, and then control Travis Kelsey. If we can keep them w- without having crazy games, they're going to still get their their catches. They're still going to get their carries, you know, but if we can kind of limit them to the explosive plays, I really think the Bills can run away with this game um, easily. I, I, do, I do, but it's going to require the defense controlling those two two aspects. Well, hey, we appreciate you joining us this week. Uh, we're out of time. And uh, once again, as always, we'll be back next week at our normal time, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 Central, on Wednesday night here on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. We'll talk about this Chiefs-Bills matchup in Arrowhead this weekend. We'll get into uh, next week's game. Who knows what will pop up next week. Uh, we might be talking about somebody else that has an axe to grind. Um, you never know here on the uh, the line to gain show. But, uh, again, everybody, thanks for uh, joining us. Matt Bynum, Daryl, Laura, Billswitch, uh, Richard Rush, everybody, Sal, everybody and- that comes on the show. Thanks so much for being a part of it. We appreciate it. And thanks for dealing with me. Not Like I actually said this wasn't going to be a long show tonight. Um, thanks for listening to me just rag on a lot. I wasn't as focused as I normally am, but, uh, yeah, well, not feeling hundred percent. So but. I knew, I knew once you got the diesel, the diesel motor turned over and churning, you weren't going to stop at 30 minutes. Probably. We, I, I definitely talk a little too much, but <laughs> all right. But Hey, we appreciate you. Uh, she's Sarah Larson. I'm the big O Jerry Ostrowski. Thanks as always folks. We'll be back next week. Hopefully we're talking about a bills win in Kansas city yes, and, sir. um, We'll be back next week. So as always, one love and go Bills. Go Bills.